Hi, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Bros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create manage and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. And the show is brought to you by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. The hosts of the show are Jeff Cohen and Randy Frisch. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. And now, here's Jeff, Randy, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip, and as always, I've got Jeff Cohen with me from Oracle Marketing Cloud. The two of us are really excited today to talk content. Uh, to do so, we, we've kind of got the you know, kind of a double hit of, of expertise. We have uh, someone joining us who both works at a marketing software company and also manages content and inbound strategy at that company. That person joining us today is Nick Steves. He's the chief product officer, also overseeing a lot of the marketing strategy, as I said, at Wishpond. And uh, we're gonna hit a whole bunch of fun topics today from pop-ups to just general strategy around content, all the things that uh, we're probably thinking about going uh, into the early parts here of 2017. Jeff, you wanna uh, you know, set some more context and welcome in Nick? Absolutely. Thanks, Randy. Again, happy to be here for another episode of Content Pros, part of the Convince and Convert podcast network. We are going to have a great conversation with with Nick from Wishpond. And I guess to get started, welcome Nick to Content Pros and just tell us a little bit about what Wishpond is. I'll let Nick cool. set the context rather than me. Cool. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, Wishpond's a self-serve uh, marketing software solution. Uh, we make it super easy um, to run marketing campaigns and generate more leads and sales uh, for your business using different things like you can build pop-ups, landing pages, uh, social promotions, CTAs, forms, um, as well as do everything you want with tracking and segments in your leads to basically personalize all of your content um, and set up email drip campaigns uh, and workflows to generate those leads and sales. That that sounds great. and I, I'm, I'm going to love this conversation because I also am a marketing practitioner trying to make all this stuff work, trying to sell a marketing technology tool. So I, I, I love the I love that intersection between actually using all these things and actually trying to make it work and trying to sell to other marketers and let them know the things that are possible. And Sometimes, Jeff, we put it here at Uberflip is like, how much of a dream job is it to, to market to marketers, right? Absolutely. Well, it, it's one step further. It's marketing, marketing to marketers. <laughs> even better. That's right. It's even, it's even more than that. Um, so, Nick, I'm going to start in a place, in a place of darkness, a place of evil. As a, <laughs> right. as a user of the web, pop-ups. Um, I, I hear from a marketing perspective that they're really effective, but as a user, uh, I don't know. Let, I guess just dive in. Tell us, tell us your opinion of pop-ups. Are they, are they effective? When should we use them? You know, even a bit of a glossary. I guess there, I gather there are different kinds and different triggers. So pop-ups go. <laughs> Jeff was really sure. polite there. What he was trying to say is users hate them. Didn't I say that? <laughs> 
I thought I said that. Well, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> First, I'm gonna let you know like a little like dirty secret about marketing is that if you're not annoying somebody, you're probably not being aggressive enough. That's, That's like fair. a little tidbit. Not like insane. Like we found this out um, just as a little bit of a, a tangent. We were we used to do a lot of YouTube retargeting, and we would get people being like, "Oh, I've seen your YouTube ads all the time." We were doing the pre-roll ads. And people would always be kind of complaining about them. Oh, I'm always seeing Bree, who's doing the ads for us. Uh, it's a great video marketer here at Wishpond. And we were like, we would, you know, we would tone down the frequency, and we would say, yeah, you know, I understand annoying, but they're making us a ton of money, so <laughs> we can't stop them. Um, but yeah, back to pop-ups. So definitely, as much as I kind of made that little bit of a joke that you need to be annoying some people, um, I do see them have more heavily overused on some sites. Um, so there's there's a few different types of pop-ups, of course. Uh, we'll kind of give you the rundown and then talk about maybe some of the ones that we use at Wishpond that we think are the best ones to use. So there's a few that kind of are the ones that will jump out at you uh, without you taking any kind of action. Those are the ones that people find the most annoying. So especially like the entry pop-ups, which are the ones that kind of come up right when you land on the page. Those are the most annoying, of course. Um, but there's also other ones like scroll pop-ups, so they pop up when a person scrolls down maybe 40 50% of the page. Time pop-ups, you know, someone's on your page 20, 30 seconds, you can end with a pop-up. Um, you can also trigger it with JavaScript if you're a little bit more advanced. But um, the last one, which is which does kind of pop up without the person taking action, but we find the most effective, is the exit intent pop-up. Uh, you guys have probably seen this on the web, so the way this works is that um, if you use a pop-up provider like Wishpond, we actually track where a person's mouse position is on the page. And if we see that a person is going up to, you know, click the back button on the, the web browser or type in a new web address um, in the browser bar, that's when we show the pop-up and say, hey, you know, don't leave yet. Grab this, you know, awesome piece of content or whatever it is that you're offering um, on your way out. So that's kind of an effective way to get people to, like, stop them kind of on their way out the door but not interrupt them as they're interacting with your content. So that that is a that is a great introduction to pop-ups, and have you found that the offer in the pop-ups actually has to do with its effectiveness? In other words, are, are, do content offers perform better than say email subscription or, or or some other thing? If you have any other feedback about actually the content of the offer, sure. So the thing you really want to focus on is. Um, just like you would do segmentation with your email list, you're not sending the exact same emails to every single person on your email list. You don't want to be showing the pop-up to every single person, you know, who is on any single page on your website. Um, so again, like not to be too salesy, but using a product like Wishpond, you can actually target which pages um, your pop-ups appear on. So you can see, okay, if I have, you know, all the content on my blog um, that's about content marketing, I want to show an exit pop-up that's you know, a content marketing offer, where you know, for all the the pages on my blog um, that are about you know Google AdWords, I want to show a Google AdWords pop-up on my blog. So you want to make sure that you know you target your ads specifically to the content um, on the page that a person is visiting. Yeah, the the con the context and the relevance definitely makes a lot of sense for performance. And I'm I'm going to stick with pop-ups just just for one more because just yeah. like our listeners, I'm I'm learning here too. Uh, so what about mobile? How does how does how do pop-ups perform on mobile devices? Because I know I spend a lot of time consuming content on the web on my phone. Sure. So that's a great question. Um, 
there's uh, Google made an update to their algorithm that just rolled out, I believe, on January 10th, so that was yesterday, where they, they made this announcement back in the fall, so we had to update our product based on this. They said that any page where, you know, if, if a person searches on Google and then they go to a page where there's a, a pop-up that's kind of that interstitial pop-up, the scroll time or entry pop-ups where a person um, is just browsing on the page and they get hit with an overlay that blocks the content, Google's going to penalize you for that. Um, so we added the default option in that says, you know, if a person's on a, on a mobile device, you know, don't show the scroll times um, or entry pop-up because Google's going to penalize you for that. Um, so that's one of the things that we say for those kind of pop-ups to not do any more mobile, um, simply for the fact that Google's going to penalize you. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Clear Voice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right. Clear Voice can do that too. Even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com for a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you. So... You know, it's interesting. We were talking earlier about uh, you know the the excitement of marketing to market marketing marketing to marketers. I think is the way Jeff put it. But you know, sometimes that also puts a lot of pressure, right? I mean, you know, Jeff's rolled Oracle Marketing Cloud. He's you know living under a magnifying glass. You know, we know that feeling here at Uberflip where we're marketing to marketers. And you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, how you first of all view that and how that maybe impacts how you think about content strategy um, at Wishpond, given the microscope that people will face uh, or will put under you rather. And it's almost, you know, I know you don't necessarily have a true content product, but, it, you know, very similar to HubSpot in the early days who had amazing marketing, which in turn kind of, you know, allowed them to be portrayed as a great product offering too. Yeah, so of course, when you're marketing to people you know, who are more savvy about what it is that you're doing, you have to, you know, their BS meter is like, you know, they can, they can smell BS, you know, way more than anyone else can if you're writing content just about, like, pet care or something like that. Um, so any of those kind of, like, black hat tricks that are kind of tricking people into reading an article that's really just a sales pitch, they're going to see right away that, you know, what you're trying to do, uh, and they're going to they're gonna hit you for it. So as long as you're just creating content that's actually providing people value um, and is teaching them something new that they're actually interested in learning about, um, that kind of methodology works the exact same way, whether you're marketing to marketers or uh, marketing to people with pets or you're marketing to people a healthcare product. Um, it's just that, yeah. The markets have a, a lower tolerance for BS than anyone else. For sure, for sure. So, so how do you back to just how you approach it within your company? I mean, you know, I, I think from what I know, Wishpond's still a you know high growth company, sitting around sixty people, from what you had told me earlier. How how big is the marketing team? How big is the team focusing on content within that? Are they wearing multiple hats? Maybe you can just give us a bit of a lay of the land just so our, our listeners understand you know, some context of, of your approach. Sure. So, yeah, content's big for us. Um, it's our primary way of generating traffic and you know, is the top of our funnel. Um, so we have five, uh, a team of five who are basically just content. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll do promotion for the content, do the email for the content, but you know, they don't do ads, they don't do website optimization. 
We have other people doing that. Those guys are just doing uh, content. Um, so it's a, it's a huge part of our market. Wow, that's uh, that's like a, almost ten percent. Percent, if if I'm doing my math right, in terms of those who are content based in in a team of sixty, that's that's pretty uh, pretty substantial and pretty exciting that that there's that type of focus uh, for your team. Maybe you can give us you know, an example of a campaign that you your team has executed together recently that you think has you know done well for, for some of your goals and, and in the answer maybe you can also just give us some some context of what those goals are. I think you said it's very lead gen focused um, but you know how did you set the goal and then what was the campaign that kind of translated out of there? Sure, um, so as I said our, our main KPI um, is generating leads uh, because that's the one that's most easy for us to track um, and we have full control over, you know, we don't have full control over the entire sales funnel uh, but that's one thing that we can move the needle on, so that's what we focus on. Uh, one of the things that we've, we've launched recently, and actually we've done three of these, I know I mentioned one of them too, as we were chatting before this, um, but we were having a tough time, as everyone does, you know, ranking for keywords that we really want to in Google. Market supersaturated is tough. Um, we were having a tough time ranking for different keywords around lead generation, email drip campaigns, landing pages, directly from our, wish, our wishpond.com site. Um, because we were feeling like Google was maybe over-ranking us for, uh, or focusing our rankings specifically on social media marketing content, which we're historically known for, not giving us so much value or uh, recognition for the other types of content we were running. So we were like, okay, what can we do? What, what can we do differently? And so we were like, okay, let's just drop these, what we call our, like, our content marketing bombs. And so we created these, we have three of them so far. We created these microsites uh, that are keyword-focused, uh, the first one that we launched is called LearnLeadGeneration.com, and it's some people like it's actually a thousand plus uh, lead generation strategies, ideas, examples, best practices. It's every single thing that a marketer would need to know about lead generation. Um, and our focus has been around okay, lead generation is a big keyword for us. You know, that's like a million dollar keyword if we can rank on the first page. Um, we want to put everything we have into you know, this site, which is our lead generation keyword site. Uh, and just pump that one for that specific keyword. Uh, and now we're doing it for, for other keywords as well. And we're seeing that, you know, it's a, it's a brand new site, so we do re recognize it's going to take a little while um, for it to rank, but we're very happy with, you know, how quickly it's moving up in the Google rankings um, and that Google is ranking for it. So let's, let's dig into the, the content strategy and the content creation process for that site. So sure. you right, you come up with the idea that that's great. This is a, a word you need to rank. It's really easy to say, okay, yeah, this is a this is a million dollar keyword for us if we can get to the front page. Um, so people people understand the value and importance of it. And then what happens? Where does what does that process actually look like? Sure. So I spent a, uh, yeah. So we just started the basic idea. You know, these are the, this is the keyword that we really want to rank for, and then so do my keyword research and find you know related keywords um, to lead generation that have a high search volume as well as a high intent. Um, so that we broke it down. We had you know our homepage, which is specific for lead generation, and then we had basically chapter pages, uh, which were category pages for other keywords related to lead generation, and then underneath each of those category pages were you know at least eight, I believe at least eight pages. Um, of you know really great solid content um, to kind of to kind of push up to that category page and then push up to the home group page, mm -hmm. and then we kind of broke it down. So that one took 
I think about three weeks or six weeks of you know employee time um, to create the content for it, and another week of just you know creating the template, building it out on WordPress, um, and then all of the the graphics and design uh, that went into it as well. When I when I look at the site, I see that I can either read it on the web or actually download it as a guide, which I, I presume is a PDF. Um, it's actually a multiple PDFs. It's oh, okay. so multiple. big, okay. so big that the PDF would have been like 50 megabytes. Oh, wow. Okay. So we, had to, we had to chop it up. We actually give you access to a whole folder uh, that has all the PDFs broken down there for you. Okay. And so do you, do you have a preference how someone consumes this content or what have people done? I guess, I guess, Sort of give me some kind of breakdown of, of how that's gone so far in your, your early days of the site. Sure. So we see people um, browse around quite a bit, and the time on site is quite high because people will, will come and they'll, they'll have heard about it. Like, we aren't getting a ton of traffic from Google yet, but we do a lot of, uh, we're getting a lot of referral traffic. Um, so we're coming and we're seeing people will go and they'll, they'll check out one of the, basically the main category pages. Um, like a couple of the biggest ones, one of the biggest ones is how to generate leads, like these 75 marketing wizards. Uh, so we took 75 top marketers and basically documented and critiqued all of the lead generation, the pop-ups, the forms, CTAs that they have on their own blog, and walk people through how exactly their, you know, what their whole lead generation strategy looks like, looks like. And so people can kind of find a person similar to them, some person they respect, and they get the full picture of that, uh, and how they can how, how they can kind of emulate that for their own marketing. So we do see people kind of pick one and then kind of dig deep into the topic they're interested in. I, I could just keep asking questions about this site. It's so, it's so sure. intriguing to me. Um, so what happens if somebody comes to the site and they read every single piece of content on it and they've ignored your pop-ups? How do you – do you have a way to still capture this as a lead? In other words, are you are – you, Cooking a visit so you can identify them later, or well, like, what does that look like from a technology standpoint? Yeah, sure. You don't uh, actually fill out a form. <laughs> totally. So yeah, of course we do. We do targeting. Um, so Facebook okay. can display retargeting. They get added into uh, um, basically our audience segments uh, for people who are interested in, in lead generation, and then we retarget them um, sometimes with a lead generation offer or uh, with a product offer to sign up for a free trial. So we know that they're interested most likely in something like pop-ups or landing pages. That's specifically the technology that they're going to utilize to implement the strategies they run about. Okay. So, so one more before I pass this back off to Randy. Um, what about distribution? In other words, the the it, it sounds like the genesis of this microsite is primarily to deal with search and trying to get you that you know, trying to get this as a million-dollar keyword for you guys to get to that front page. But what are you doing from a, a almost like a an outbound perspective? In other words, what does the social plan look like? What does email look like? How are you trying to get this great information, all this great content, out into the world besides just search? For sure. So, yeah, we did a big push for that um, at the end of 2016. And we were doing um, a lot of outbound just reaching out to people, of course, all the influencers that we mentioned. You know, 75 marketing wizards, uh, part of it. Anyone that we mentioned as an example or a stat or a link um, throughout the entire microsite, we would kind of send out a couple of emails, you know, kind of follow up with them and say, hey, we mentioned this to you. I mentioned this, like, take a look. And if they said, yeah, it looks really cool, then we ask them if you want to you know, send them a personalized tweet 
um, at least so far over there mentioned to get them to tweet it out. Um, the, the thing that I'm finding, and you know, of course we went on sites like uh, like growthhackers.com, uh, we got a lot of referral traffic from there. We were mentioned um, inside of their, their weekly digest, uh, their email digest for that week when we put it out. So we got a ton of traffic from there and from some of the referral partners um, who we mentioned uh, inside of the, the microsite. Uh, they pushed us out through their email newsletters, so we can actually see that as the referral source coming in. But the thing that I'm finding is that because this is a you know the technique that has been popularized and so much by guys like uh, like Brian Dean who popularized the skyscraper strategy, which we kind of emulated for this, as you may notice. Um, so many people because they're doing most like so many people are getting bombarded with emails um, in terms of asking people to check out content that they mentioned in that it's since you know 2015 2014 when it first started you know it was something that we were doing we've seen the return on investment on it drop a lot um, and it's so time intensive to like find people's emails their twitters reach out to them ask them first you know to check it out to hope that they get the share that it's not as easy to kind of see or your benefit from the time spent on it uh, which is why for us we're kind of primarily playing the long game um, because we know that having it ranked in, in Google on that first page um, is what's going to provide us with um, like a long-term, like basically predictable and scalable um, return from that content, as opposed to just trying to do big social pushes. So, so just jumping in here, uh, Nick. Yeah, I, first, first, I just want to get an idea of the, the amount of time that went into this. I mean, I, I've been, I had navigated through this lead generation, sorry, learnleadgeneration.com uh, microsite ahead of time. But you know, you really start going in. I, there is, as you said, you, you'd have a 50 megabyte PDF file alone. Um, how many pages? How long did it take to actually build this for your team? Sure. So yeah, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. <laughs> if you want a quick return, I mean, we understand how difficult these keywords like lead generation, email drip campaigns, landing pages are to rank for. So we're like, if we're gonna do something that's gonna rank for these keywords, it cannot be something that we put out in a couple of days. Um, so I would say that we had a few team members working on it. Um, just the, the just the writing aspect was probably six weeks full-time of a single person. We had a, we had that pushed out over two or three people um, through the, um, the writing process of this. Um, then we have our one of our developers, he put it into WordPress, built out the theme with one of our designers. That was a couple of weeks. Um, especially there's a lot of designer intensive parts of this. There's a lot of images. Um, there's a lot of nice little animations and uh, overlays and stuff like that. We wanted to make it a really beautiful site, a really beautiful experience. We didn't just want to throw up the content. Um, so we did spend, we put in the effort, um, I think, to make it not only a really powerful site in terms of the content that's there, but in terms of the way you can navigate it and the way that it looks and feels as you're experiencing it. So it was, I mean, if you had one person who could do all of those things and just push themselves to the limit full time, they might be able to do it in two months. But that'd be a, that'd be a stretch. I mean, I was pushing these guys with a big, you know, tall order. To push it through. I like that. I, I, I like that. I was, I was happy with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, Je- Jeff and I got to to interview uh, Joanna Weeb of Copy Hackers a few months ago, which is another great episode for people to listen back on if they haven't caught that one. And you know, she she stressed that importance of of the big post, right? You know, not all you know light fluffy stuff, but sometimes really digging in and making sure you put something out there that can be of value, which which is obviously what you've done here. So, you know, coming on to Content Pros is, you know, is fun. We love having these conversations. I mean, one thing that I'm going to do, I'm going to kind of like shine the light in your eyes, you know, make you feel uncomfortable, ask you maybe some of those questions that, you know, that people would wonder. And some of these are probably just myths that you'll hopefully dispel for us. And I'm hoping given that your title is both, you know, overseeing marketing and overseeing products, that you probably understand a lot of these, you know, detailed myths that people may have looking at this. So the first one I have for you is is just on your decision to do this on a microsite versus your own domain. And, you know, that's one of those debates that people always have with content, you know, at Uberflip, I deal with a lot of people sometimes who say, "Oh, we want it all in, you know, subfolder, subdirectory type of approach versus a, you know, subdomain or separate domain altogether." So, walk us through the decision to to create your own domain for this experience. For sure. So this was a hotly debated decision. I, I was, I mean, I actually started on the other side of the uh, argument. I wanted it to be a, as a subfolder uh, on our own website. But we just saw, um, we, we wanted to try this path because we saw how big these sites were going to be. Um, it was going to be very difficult to kind of have an experience on it that was, because the experience on this site is so vastly different than on wishfun.com that it would have been difficult for us to kind of transition people between the two without making them feel like they're on a totally different website to begin with. Um, so that was one of the main reasons was the experience. Uh, wants people to have on these microsites. Uh, as well, we, we just looked at how, I mean, you never know for sure why or if it's actually just a, you know, it's just a red herring, but we're having, we're just having a tough time ranking for keywords um, outside of the social media marketing keywords that we were doing so well on. Um, so we thought maybe creating these microsites that are specific for those keywords um, is going to be better. Google's going to like those better than us trying to do it on their own site. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard that, that sometimes when you're trying to cram too many things into one, it just doesn't work versus, and, and keeping in mind that the different personas you may be attracting may even be different persona, different keywords than the you know, the keywords on your main www, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's what we're, exactly what we're thinking. Cool. Another one that I'm just curious on, and you know, this one I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll dispel as a myth, um, but you know, some of these pages, for those who have checked out while listening to this podcast or plan to, you'll see a lot of links, right? Um, you know, some links I, I think take you off the site. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but. You know, some some people I think are sometimes concerned that you put too many links on a page. You know, it's the old school you know link approach that, that Google learned to not like. So how did you how did you approach that, and how did you you know opt to go this route of you know essentially a built-in navigation or table of contents on every page? Sure. So the you know, table of contents that you're speaking to, those are all anchor links to within um, the, the website itself. So it'll go, oh, yeah. okay. that, that is something we're, we're still experimenting with because we do realize there's a bit, maybe a bit over, it's a bit of an overwhelming experience because there's a lot of, the table of contents is quite large because there's so many different sections of content inside of the, the post itself. 
Um, so we're looking at ways in which we can simplify it to make it easier for people to navigate. But those ones all do go throughout the site, and uh, we like those because it makes it faster for people to find the content um, that they're interested in, especially if it's looking for you know a specific influencer or a specific type of strategy that they're most interested in because there's you know there's a lot on the page. Um, so all the stuff in our table of contents are anchor links within, but we do have a lot of um, links inside of the content that go outside of the site. Um, so anytime, of course, that we have a stat that's not our own, we link out to you know, the original source for the stat. Or if we're talking about an influencer, we link out to their site so people can go check it out with their own eyes. Um, or if they want to dig deeper into a strategy that we found on another blog and just mentioned or we'll talk about inside of our post, we'll link out to that strategy as well so people can get a deeper dive um, into the very specific things you're interested in. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So we've, Nick, we've talked about a lot of a lot of big things, and, and I want to get super, super granular. Um, I, I'm somebody who runs a corporate blog, and obviously we're trying to convert and generate leads as well. And I found a piece of content on your site that actually called out, I think it was five different, basically five different points where you can have a call to action on a blog post. And we are primarily using... Uh, a banner at the end of the post, and when I when I read your content about this, I realized uh, I'm a little behind the times, and I need to update my thinking and add some more CTAs kind of throughout the body of the post. Can Can you talk a little bit about like what is again super granular? What's most effective for call to action converting from a blog post? But besides those some evil pop-ups, which we we agree work, but you know, we're talking about sort of the body of the post right now. For sure. Yeah, I totally understand. We used to be in the exact same uh, boat where, you know, we'd have a great, valuable piece of content, long, um, and then at the end of the post, we'd have our CTA for an ebook or a webinar or whatever kind of awkward ones. Um, but what we did is we, we ran some tests using Crazy and we looked at the scroll map of our blog post and we were seeing that, you know, the majority of people weren't going past 40%, uh, 40% down the page. So, you know, only a very small number of people are actually going all the way down to the page and seeing uh, the CTA. So we're missing out on, you know, 95% of our traffic from trying to convert those people into leads. So what we're doing now, and probably what you read about in that post, is that as opposed to just having the one CTA at the bottom that's kind of a, you know, an ebook that's somewhat related to the post you're reading, um, we, do, we do two things. We have what we call a content upgrade. You guys probably heard about these um, at the top of the post. That says, you know, because everyone, of course, starts at the top of the post. We say, hey, if you want to, you know, this is a big post. Maybe it's three, four thousand words. You want to save it for later and get a few bonuses. You can click here and download it as a PDF. Um, so a lot of people are doing that. That's not really anything new. But the thing that we've we've started doing in the past few months that's really been working well for us is throughout the post, we'll talk a lot about, you know, generally our posts are about, you know, a few different strategies you can do um, to accomplish a certain goal or a few different examples of how people are accomplishing something. And so within each of those sections, at the bottom of each one, we'll have what we call a contextual inline CTA. So we might talk about a specific strategy, and then we'll say, 
you know, if you want to learn more about this or get a few examples, you know, click and download um, this PDF here. So for anybody who's found, you know, something specific inside of the post that they're really interested in and they want to get a deeper dive, those contextual CTAs are great for converting those people. Um, because a lot of times if you're just interested in a specific strategy, even if you do present them with, hey, here's an ebook that's like yeah, the, the marketer's guide to whatever, you know, they're not super interested in that, but if you can be really targeted, really granular with your offers inside, that's what's going to get more people to convert. So if, if everyone's loving all these little tips that Nick's giving, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of these are going to be living at uh, learnleadgeneration.com because I, I did happen to note that you are one of the contributing writers uh, to, the, to that uh, effort. But uh, you know, in, in interest of, of time, we always like to also get to know the person we're talking to, and you know, go kind of behind the curtain a bit. So, you know, let's let's dig in a little bit here. We'll we'll do a bit of a lightning round, if you will. Um, so, quick one or two word answers. Uh, we'll start off with the bond that, that you and I have. I mean, uh, you know, Jeff's for once the outsider here. We got two Canadians on the call. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. You know, from Toronto. But uh, yeah, hockey allegiance. Where does that live? Do I have to do one word answer, or can I expand a bit? You can. Yeah, we'll we'll let a we'll a sentence or two fly from time to time. Okay. So the thing about Vancouver is probably the most fair weather fan base of all time of every city. So it's tough to find people out here who really like the Canucks. I mean, I like the Canucks, but my favorite team of all time, simply because my favorite player. Steve Eisenman played for them his whole career as the Detroit Red Wings. Okay, all right. I respect that. I respect that. All right, so just in case we've lost anyone who's not a hockey fan or not Canadian <laughs> at this point, let's, let's take it more mainstream. What are you watching on Netflix these days? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I'm watching Office reruns that I've watched like five times. Um, we did, my girlfriend and I, we watched Easy, which was, I think, a Netflix original. That was cool. That was probably my most recent like new thing that I watched on Netflix. <laughs> Okay, cool. Now, in, in some of the notes that we, we got provided about you going into the show, the research that gets done in the background, we learned that you actually lived under your desk for a prolonged period of time. Um, you know, tell us, tell us just in, in a few words why. So the primary reason was I read, uh, I think it was 2013 or something, um, in, in the Plex or in the Googleplex came out, which was a book, of course, about Google. And I was reading about how in the early days when they were in the office above the bike shop, like 20 of them were sleeping in the office like all the time together. I thought that was so cool. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be like Google, sleep under my desk, and uh, you know, go, go all in. But definitely Amazing. wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> so assuming you didn't have access to Netflix during that period, last question for you. What is the best book you remember reading under that desk? Uh, oh man, probably Steve Jobs, the Steve Jobs biography. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, taking, that, taking that, inspiration that from Google and uh, and Apple. I, yeah, it sounds like we got big things ahead for Wishpod. <laughs> um, so. uh, 
<laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, Nick, thanks so much. Thanks so much for taking the time today to chat with us on Content Pros. Uh, I'm Randy Frisch from Mover Flip. I've, as always, I've been lucky to have Jeff Cohen by my side from Oracle Marketing Cloud. Uh, a reminder that Content Pros is part of the Convince and Convert family of podcasts. There's a whole bunch of other great podcasts to check out, from Business of Story to Influencer Pros, Social Pros, and more. Uh, you can find all those at convinceandconvert.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, which we hope you are, there's a lot more podcasts going back three seasons now at contentprospodcast.com. We're also to be found, of course, on Stitcher and Google Play and iTunes, where you can leave us a review. Let us know what you're enjoying. Let us know you want what you want to hear more of. Uh, again, thank you to Nick Steves from Wishpond, and encourage everyone to check out LearnLeadGeneration.com. Until next time, thanks for, thanks for joining. Take care. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.